Hi, I'm Zeeland. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome back to part two of episode nine of the Thousand Hours Podcast. As mentioned in part one, like the episode last month, this episode was too big to upload in one part to ACAST, so we have split it up into part one and part two. If you haven't listened to part one yet, then what are you doing with your life? You need to go and listen to it right away, because we have Alex Tamp Brown talking about his amazing, mind-bogglingly good save in Liechtenstein with the Doors and with the national team. And we also have Alex Towles continuing to build Taunton into the biggest force of the English game. I'm sure he is going to achieve that. So please go and give that a listen if you haven't done so already and then come back to this part. In this part, it will be my turn to talk about my saves, both the Leon save and the Going Deutsch editor save with me, Towels and Tamp Brown all in it alongside Ted Lasso as well. So if you haven't listened to part one yet, go and listen to it now. But if you have listened to part one, then please enjoy part two of episode nine of the Thousand Hours podcast. With that, I reckon it's probably time to move on from Taunton and find out what Alex Woodward has been up to in Alex Woodwardland. Yeah, that's what I've called it. So it's a new theme park. It's opening just outside of <laughs> Doncaster. Uh, oh, sorry, you mean football manager. Right, my bad. So, uh, obviously, I've been continuing with Leon, and I've not done too much of football manager since. I've only done one and a half seasons, mostly because I've been going through 87 million episodes of a different podcast that has already been mentioned and if you don't know what podcast that is you've not been listening closely enough but anyway so I haven't done too much but to give you a sense of how well it's going I sent a meme to the thousand hours group chat with it's from it's from the invincibles I think and one of wait what was it no it was called the incredibles I think the cartoon it was yeah from it was the Incredibles many years ago. I had a game version of that on PS2, which was fine. It was absolutely fine. But anyway, there's a scene in it where a character says, "You freed us," and this villain guy says, "Oh, I wouldn't say freed, more like under new management." And I feel like that's what Legan have undergone with us. They've seen a challenger come to take on PSG and well, we'll get on to how we did, but just when they're thinking that they're freed, we go, "Nah, you're under new management." So, from that, you can probably guess that my second half of my first season went well. In the first half of the season, we had done really well. I think I mentioned this. We won 16 of 17 games, only losing one to Monaco. In the second half of the season, we would continue to do incredibly well. We would only drop points in two games, both of them draws against Rennes and Monaco, respectively. And we would comfortably win League 1 at a canter. So, PSG finishing second on 79 points, which is really good in a 34-game season, but not quite as good as Leon's 93 points. 130 
drew three, lost one. We'll get on to who the star was of the second half of the season, but it's really obvious and we mentioned it last time. We'll just quickly go through how I did in the other competitions as well. So I mentioned that we were in the Europa League. We'd started off the Europa League really well. I can't remember if I mentioned this in the last episode, but I beat Legio Warsaw 7-0, which I think is my biggest win on this edition of the game, but nowhere near the 26-0 that Alex Tam Brown had, so, you know. I, I feel like cares? that's the story of this podcast. Yeah. Like, We've done pretty well, but it's nowhere near what Alex Tam Brown has achieved. That, that, look, that is entirely look, accurate. I've, I've, I've won the Olympics, and I'm basically the Usain Bolt of Liechtenstein, so <laughs> bow down. Bow down. Fantastic. So, we, we comfortably got through the group stage of the Europa League. We would play Club Rouge in the round of 16, winning 5-0 overall. We would then play Manchester United, who are used to playing in the Europa League now. It used to be a bit weird seeing them in, in the Europa League, but now, now it's expected. And we comfortably put them aside as well, winning 1-0 at Old Trafford thanks to a goal from who else but Gianluca Scamacca, and then winning 3-0 in the second leg and other players scored this time Zito Yakubu Okoye who is a new gen I think I mentioned him on no I wouldn't have I don't know I don't think had I signed him by then I don't know anyway I signed a new gen from Wolfsburg for 30 million euros called Yakubu Okoye and he's absolutely fantastic and I love him so there we go that's him covered and then Gianluca Smack getting the third we would then draw Aston Villa in the semi-finals of the Europa League. We would host the first game at the Group Armour Stadium, which isn't offering tours in July, which I am quite annoyed about. Thanks, lads. It's always when I go to a stadium that they decide they're not going to do stadium tours that month. It's great. Anyway, Matroid Giallo, Noah Okafor and Gianluca Scamacca would score in the first leg as we'd win 3-1. In the second leg, we would win 2-1 and no prizes for guessing that both of our goals came from Gianluca Scamacca. So that would lead us into the Europa League final and we would be taking on the best run club in the world. The club who know how to spend their money better than anyone else. The club who only buy the best of the best, the absolute upstanding individuals in society we played Borussia Dortmund and (laughs) that's going to date this episode because I may have said that because of something they've done in real life anyway it's topical sarcasm ladies and gentlemen yay (laughs) so we were taking on Brendan Rodgers's Dortmund Brendan Rodgers's Brendan Rodgers um John Stones is manager of Coventry in my game of course he is. I mean, why not? Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. We need to do this as a fully-fledged feature on the show where just random managers who are at random clubs. But anyway, Brendan Rodgers had been the manager of Dortmund from like 2023 on, and it was quite annoying because I was expecting him to leave when I wanted to leave Tabby. I was going to take the Dortmund job from him but then he decided not to leave and I had to go to Leon which in all fairness has worked out quite well since so there would only be one goal in the game can we guess who scored the goal Gianluca Scamacca no 
Luckily, it would be another Leon player, though. It was Hassan Awar, as Leon would win the Europa League. So that was two Yay. trophies Yay. in my first season, absolutely wiping the floor in League Un and pretty much wiping the floor in the Europa League. There is one competition I've not mentioned yet. In the ninth round of the Coupe de France, we played second tier Grenoble and would draw two all because. You know, even whilst we're dominating in Europe and in the league, apparently we can't beat Grenoble. So that was great. But we did win on penalties, so that was good. In the 10th round, we'd play Mets 2-0, two Skamaka goals, because of course. In the no, in the 11th round, sorry, we would play Clement Foot. Skamaka would only score one, but Ruben Rodriguez and Matroy Jallo would score two more. By the way... Jallo in the game, or in my game at least, is white, which is not his skin colour in real life. So, you know, make about what you will. It's like Tom Elliott on FIFA 08, which is the nichiest reference <laughs> I could possibly make, but... I don't get it. Tom Elliott was a leads forward, he was black, but on FIFA 08 he was white for some reason. Good. Which, it's like the first thing you've got to get right. When designing yeah, a character like based off a real person. Right. But anyway, so Jallo would score Rodriguez and Skamaka. We would beat Clement Foot 3 0 in the 11th round. We would go through to face Wren in the quarterfinal, drawing 3 0 with Weston McKenney scoring. <sighs> Jesus Christ. He's actually been really good for Wren since joining them. Though, well, actually, no. I tell a lie because I've now just looked at his profile. He was okay for then, but he cost them 70 million euros. And three years later, after not posting a single season with an over 7.0 rating, he would move to Nice for 8 million euros. So actually, I take that back. 70 million for Weston McKenney. So he had eight, um, 6.96, 6.88, 6.87, and then he moved to Nice for 8 million. Oh, that is, that is bad. Well done, well done Bam. Weston. I like this universe, though, because he never joined Leeds in this save. <laughs> so, you know, that would have been, been good if that was the world we were currently living in. So... Anyway, well, I was like, yeah, we beat Ren in the Coupe de France quarterfinal. We would take on PSG in the semi-final. Skamaka only had a rating of 6.3 in this game, which was, quite frankly, disgusting. But in a penalty shootout where only one penalty was missed, it was Alejandro Balde of PSG who would miss. So we would once again beat PSG, make them cry, and we would head through to the Coupe de France final where we would take on Ligue de Nîmes. Sure. That season, Nîmes finished 9th. This year, they finished 12th. So, you know, they're the absolute powerhouse of French football. But that's why we love the Coupe de France, because, like, these teams can get through to the final. And who knows? Maybe these teams can even beat the big guy to win the final. No, no. Skamaka got a hat-trick. Lyon won 3-0 and won the Coupe de France. So in our first year, I had won... A treble of sorts. Obviously, it's not the Champions League, but it was a dominant season in Ligue 1. Winning the Coupe de France, winning the Europa League, I was very, very happy. 
And like I said, the main guy in the end was Gianluca Scamacca, who was just absolutely fantastic. It was a good thing I held on to him because he was so vital in so many of those games, particularly in the Europa League and in the Coupe de France. I think we would have been fine if he'd not played in Ligue 1 just because our lead was so big that we weren't going to blow it. But in a 48-game season, Skamaka scored 66 goals, which for somebody like me is very, very impressive. And for somebody like Skamaka is even more impressive because apparently he's not that good in real life. I, I don't think he scored 66 for West Ham this season, but 35 I'm in the sure league. scored six. <laughs> 35 in the league, 8 in the Coupe de France, 23 in the Europa League from 15 games, and oh yeah, that's it. So yeah, absolutely fantastic, and I do have some bad news, because at this point, I did decide to sell him, because somebody came in with a bid that was way overvalued for me. Bear in mind, at this point in the save, Skamaka's 31 years old, so he's probably going to decline. And somebody at first offered me 70 million euros for him. And I said, 90 million. Thinking they'd turn it down. They went, okay. I was like, wait, you're, you're really going to pay 90 million euros for a 31-year-old striker? They went, yeah, sure. And you can guess by all of this that, that, of course, it was a Premier League team. Even better, it was Arsenal. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no. No. Now, the good news is he actually played really well for Arsenal. Through the opening half of the season, he played in 18 games in the league, and he scored 11 goals. Absolutely Yay. fantastic. Hey. Now, he was mostly coming off the bench, but still, 11 goals. He was the joint top goal scorer in the Premier League. And then Arsenal transfer listed him and stopped playing him entirely. Good. So, so the joint top goal scorer in the Premier League, who you've just spent 90 million euros on, and you go, you know what, I'm not interested anymore. And they're currently listing him for 24 million euros. After buying him for Get him 90. Back. Get him back. <laughs> That's one figure of doing. Bring your boy home. So... At this point, I decided to look at some of the league and records because I I thought, well, having got 93 points, there's a good chance, and having only lost one game, there's a good chance I could go invincible and be the first side to ever go invincible in league and that'd be absolutely fantastic. And really something I could rub in the nose of PSG. Furthermore, I could probably have a good chance of beating the league and points record some of you will have already noticed something wrong with that and we will discuss it in a bit but unfortunately when i looked back through the league and records psg actually had gone invincible earlier on in the save in the 2025-26 season and of course the league and record for most points was actually by PSG in real life, they got 96 points one season. And this was a big problem for me because, of course, in real life next year and in the game, Ligon is shortening to a 34-game season. So to get 96 points would be near impossible. I mean, I only dropped points in four games and finished on 93. So that's... 
that's not going to happen. I've sort of I sort of resorted to going. Well, I could get two invincible seasons. I mean, it's a challenge, but it's possible. But still, so um, to do the maths for the people that can't be bothered, if you won every single game in a thirty-four game season, you'd get a hundred and two points. So that mm. gives you a massive six points of leeway. Yeah, you can exactly. top six points across the whole season if you want ninety-six points. Yeah, and obviously that would only give me the record alongside them. So to beat it, I could only drop five points. Which, yeah, all it takes is one bad game or an injury and that's just not happening. Anyway, so I sold Skamaka for 90 million euros. I did replace him with Lorenzo Luca from Roma, who in real life is, is fine, I guess. I think he... What does he currently play? Ajax, apparently. So, sure. But through most of this, he had been a Serie B striker until his last few years at Roma, where he really sort of took off. He got 15 goals in 26-27, 14 then through his next three seasons. So he's a good striker. He was getting over seven on his average rating, I thought, you know what, he'll probably be okay. I got him for 35 million euros. We'll get on to how he did in a bit. I also brought in a regen from PSG called Gabriel Perez for 17 million. They'd bought him the year before for 5 million and they just didn't want him anymore. So I was like, yeah, he seems all right. I'll take him. And then I brought in a youngster from Inter Milan who hasn't played. He's been on loan at Untashing this year. And he has scored eight goals in the Spider Bundesliga, so fair enough. So let's get into actually, let's not get into the season because before we started this recording, I said to the other two Alexes that I had quite the shocking sort of announcement, I guess. In the last episode, Alex Tamp Brown said that I would never do international management or that I, I'd hate him for taking on international management. Now, I've managed in international football twice on Football Manager before, both times with Spain, and I was kind of considering doing something like that again. The reason I picked Spain the last two times was because I was managing in Spain those seasons. So I was with Deportivo La Coruña and then with Salto Vigo. So I was thinking about taking the France job. This was at the end of 2030, so the outgoing manager had resigned. And after the World Cup? Yeah, World Cup. So he'd resigned and I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply for the French national team job. But before I did... A different nation came in and just offered me the job outright. No interview. No, we're interested in hiring you. Just, no, here's the job offer. Please become our national team manager, which I'd never had before. And it was the England national team who had come calling. So I wasn't I wasn't sure about it because I was like, uh, I, I, I don't know, that's not that's not what I, I wanted to do. I wanted to apply for the France job because I'm, I'm currently managing in France. It feels more... I say more realistic, but none of these countries are ever going to manage a hire a manager who is managing a club at the same time. So I did take the England national team job. So we've got a really good squad. Declan Rice is kind of a captain. I know a lot about him because he is also at PSG and one of our better players whenever we face them. Jude Bellingham is in his prime at this point, as is Bakayo Saka. We've got a 
new gen called David Vince from Tottenham, who is terrifyingly good. And I finally get to manage Jude Soonsup Bell, who, you know, was sold from Leon right before I came in. So I'm very happy about that. I finally get to to have some time with him. Anyway, we'll get on to how we did in the Nations League. I, do you know what? Should I just rattle through it right now? We did really yes. well in the Nations League because there's not many games, is there? Austria, we beat 4-0. We beat the Netherlands 4-0. Belgium, 1-0. Belgium were... Oh, no, sorry. It was the Netherlands who were managed by Ralf Hasenhutl, who was the England manager before me, which is objectively hilarious. Uh, drew 0-0 with the Netherlands in the second game and then beat Austria 5-1 and Belgium 3-1 to advance to the Nations League semi-final, where we would take on Portugal and win 3-0, where we would advance, uh, managed by Jose Mourinho, which was quite funny, we would therefore advance to the Nations League final, held at the very famous Mönchengladbach Community Arena, which also doesn't exist. But apparently they built it in 2023, which is not true, because... There, there isn't that stadium. It's in that, Mönchengladbach. That must have been built, like started from the the right right at the start. Yeah, yeah. Mönchengladbach manager must have asked for a new stadium mm. and got it. Yeah, weird. But yeah, we would go through to the Nations League final. Who do you think we would play in the Nations League final? Me, France. France, real powerhouse of world football. Think bigger. Liechtenstein. No, no, no. Oh, even um, bigger. Ireland. Cape Verde. Ireland. No. Ireland. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. England versus Ireland. Ireland. Did you just have the Ireland leagues loaded? No, no, I've never had the Ireland league loaded. So they've just become a, a force, apparently. Clean they beat up. Germany in the other semi final and got through to play Fair. England. Their manager was right, Cocky. I can't remember who it was. Oh, it's Stephen Kenny. He, he was proper giving it all this. Before, oh, he's the manager yeah. of Ireland in real life. Stephen, stop being so up your own backside. Come on, man, get it together. You're 59. <laughs> Shouldn't be speaking like this. But anyway, there'd only be one goal in the game, and it would come from Harvey Elliott as England would win 1 0 against Ireland. Because, of course, we would. Come on. We're not, we're not the same level. Declan Rice got to lift the Nations League trophy. I don't know if there's a trophy, which it shows how much attention I pay to international football. <laughs> but <laughs> Declan Rice lifted the trophy against a country full of people who absolutely love him and think he's the best footballer to ever exist. Yes. The uh, the blank housery is unreal. <laughs> he, he was having a lovely time at the Irish fans, not so much. So let's get back to the league season then and we would have two very big tests to start off the campaign we were playing in the Trophy des Champions against PSG and then taking on Liverpool in the UEFA Super Cup so these are two sides who are better than us who have bigger squads bigger budgets bigger everything really so I wasn't really expecting anything from the PSG game in the Trophy des Champions because who cares? It's it's a friendly at the end of the day. It's glorified friendly. 6-0 winners against PSG. What? Matchoy Giallo would get a hat-trick. Lorenzo Luca would score two. And Gabriel Perez 
would score one against his former club. So we would win the first trophy of the season by utterly humiliating PSG. Ali Keep wonders if everyone needs to be sacked. Meanwhile, every Parisian boulangerie is getting their out-of-date baguettes and going to whack the players over the head with them because they're that upset. We would then face Liverpool in the way for Super Cup after our first game in Ligue 1. And obviously, Liverpool are absolutely fantastic. And, oh, they've sacked their manager. I was going to tell you who the manager was at the time, but he's been sacked. Oh, it was Pep Guardiola who's just been sacked. The current manager, and this is one for those of you who watched the Football League about 15 years ago, Mark Bridge Wilkinson. Nope. <laughs> Maybe Tom Brown remembers him, I'm not sure. He played for Carlisle when Leeds were in League One, and he was annoyingly good against I'm, Leeds. I'm not, I'm not a closet Leeds fan. You are the closet Leeds not. fan. He is a closet I'm Leeds not, fan. just not. Thank you. Nah. Now, in all fairness, he's not a closet Leeds fan. Like, closet Leeds fans would say they're not a Leeds fan whilst playing as them on Football Manager. Anyway, who are you managing on Football Manager now, Tom Brown? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing looting. I'm doing looting. <laughs> oh, get me anyway, Gustavo Armour. Mark Bridge Wilkinson was a good player in League One for one season about 15 years ago. So that's why I found that funny. Anyway. Pep Guardiola was the manager at the time that we played them in the Super Cup and we would win 4-1 with Noah Okafor scoring twice, Gabriel Perez scoring once and Lorenzo Lucas scoring once. So we started off the season in League 1 while we actually bettered our start from last year. So last year we won 16 and lost one of our opening 17 games. This year we won 16 and drew one of our opening 17 games. And of course, that draw came against Strasbourg. Why not? We beat Monaco, which was nice, after not being able to beat them all of last season. I was very happy about that. So... By the end of the season, we we continued to do well in the second half of the campaign. Lorenzo Luca was a not a full-on replacement for Skamaka in terms of his output, but he was a very good striker. Everyone else has stepped up. Giancarlo Fernandez, who was one of my new gens, was fantastic this year. Yakuba Koye, well, I just love him. And oh, actually, probably should say it. So midway through the season. Declan Rice said he wanted to leave PSG and because I was his manager of the England national team, he decided to pick coming to me over going to the Bundesliga and so I signed Declan Rice from PSG for a ludicrously cheap 20 million of those. Money's no object to the Qataris, so I guess it makes sense, but... He was also fantastic. In his 15 league games, he averaged a 7.7 rating, so I was very happy with him. So, our final stats for the season, Ben. Played 34, won 32, drew 2, lost none, 98 points out of possible 102. So not only had I gone invincible, I had broken PSG's record by two points, despite having four games fewer to achieve it in. Do you see what I mean now by under new management? (laughs) Oh, yes. 
Alex, yeah, you win away from home. I I don't know. I guess I play Lorenzo Luca up front, and he scores all the time, and, and that's that's sort of the key. You know, you got to play him, Fernandez, Rice. Um, I'm really hoping that Calderon can have that that kind of impact when he comes into the team next season. Yeah, he he. I'll be honest, I loaned into Brighton last year, who got relegated from the Premier League. He played 30 games, scored six goals, and got two assists. So, he mm, probably would have been better served staying with me. Yeah. Oh, well. I forgot to mention, actually, one of my better players in the first half of the season was a another new gen called Ruben Santamaria. And he was absolutely fantastic. And, unfortunately, he was wanted by a lot of top European clubs. Now, he wasn't the best left back in the league, but he was pretty close. But luckily, I was still able to get some gullible club to pay 80 million euro to him, which was... He was not that good. Does anyone want to guess who the gullible club was? Arsenal. Yeah, it was Arsenal. And I signed a significantly better player for 60 million from then called Daniel Cabra, who is also a new gen. To be honest, we're getting to the stage where I don't need to keep stressing that because most of the players from here on in are probably going to be new gens. And because of the football manager transfer save feature, I don't even have to abandon Leon. So, yeah, Yay! more dominance to to come. Yeah, we we were quite we were quite good. I think it's fair to say, you know, a solid eight out of ten season in the league to be sure. Now, that doesn't mean we didn't lose, because we did lose two games overall this season. One of them was the Coupe de France semi-final against Monaco, because Monaco, all the time it's Monaco. So, I need to to do what PSG did, I'm going to buy their best player. Who's their best player? It's Vanderson. I'm going to buy Vanderson. No, I'm not going to buy Vanderson, he's crap. How is he their best player? It doesn't even look that good. Well, compared to Daniel Cabra, which is who he'd be replacing. Anyway, so we're not going to do the PSG strategy of just signing all their players and watching them cry, because that that's rude. Anyway, let's talk about the Champions League then. We absolutely just dominated the group for the most part, beating Aston Villa, drawing with Milan, drawing with Dortmund, then beating Fenerbahce, Roma, Napoli... Red Bull Salzburg and AEK Athens. We would get a round of 16 matchup against Eintracht Frankfurt and we we actually struggled in this. It went to penalties over two legs. We drew the first leg 1-0 with Colo, 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 Mwani scoring and Lorenzo Lucas scoring for us. I I knew that would be Colo Mwani for some reason. (laughs) And then... Who scored in the second leg? Oh, um, Gabriel Pereira. No, not you. I scored in the second leg. It's it's a shame, but you didn't. My flowers. They could not score penalties to save their lives. The only one who scored a penalty for them was Kevin Sharder. But we would score all three of our penalties and therefore go through. We would then take on Liverpool again in the quarterfinals. We won the first leg of the Group Palmer Stadium 2-1 with Yakuba Okoye scoring both of our goals and Harvey Elliott scoring a goal for Liverpool. And I always disliked it when Harvey Elliott scored goals this season, except for when he scored them for England and I won the Nations League over Ireland. But, you know, that's not the point. 
We would draw two all in the second leg and therefore go through. I forgot to mention I signed Nelson Viper, which was a a signing I was very happy about for just half a million. He was playing for Freiburg at that point. Obviously, Nelson Viper for those who don't listen to Going Deutsch, is a man who nearly caused me to have a mental breakdown when he scored earlier this season when I found out he was born in 2005, which wasn't wasn't fun. But anyway, he scored and Lorenzo Luca scored. We would draw two all and go through to the semi-finals where we'll take on Milan going through over the two legs by a overall score of 4-2. That would bring us in to the Champions League final, the first one in Lyon's history, and I found it. Re- I don't think we could have had a more fitting opponent, considering we were newcomers to the Champions League final. Who would we take on? Heidenheim. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it was Heidenheim. No, it wasn't Heidenheim. Oh. Oh. I. 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 I was so we couldn't have had a. a more diametrically opposed opponent to us in terms of Champions League success. Real Madrid. Yeah, Real Madrid. They'd won the Champions League 15 times at this point in the save. And That's a lot of times. 15, yeah. Oh, sorry, if we said how many times, yeah. It is a lot of times. Unfortunately, Francisco Trincao would score in the 88th minute... Lorenzo Luca had scored earlier in the game in the 37th, but that took the game into extra time. There was only one more goal in the game after that, and of course it was scored by Lorenzo Luca as Leon won their first ever Champions League. Get it. Absolutely My fantastic. Just to just to make sure you guys will understand this. Um since I started my Taunton Sounds Hive, Tam Brown and Woodward have all both started and then given up on two saves and then started a third save in which they have won the Champions League while I'm still playing with Taunton and yet to win the Champions League. I'm, I'm, I'm half tempted to go back to Tadcaster and see if I can win it before you. In all fairness. <laughs> <laughs> in all fairness, I started in the fourth tier of German football and then jumped to Lyon, so... Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think next year, Christ knows if we'll continue this podcast into next year. Mm. We might do. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like, like in FM twenty four, I think I'm. I've got my own another journeyman save. I haven't done a journeyman save since FM twenty one. I think mm. maybe FM twenty. No, F, I haven't done a journeyman save since FM twenty two. Yeah. Last year, no, no, no. FM twenty one. Last year I did Edinburgh and stayed there for ten years. This year I've been doing Taunton, so mm. yeah, I, I'm due a I'm due a journey across Europe. That'll be coming next year. Mm. I will give you many German sixth tier clubs that you can consider starting off at, just just for you. So yeah, it was really nice that we won our first ever Champions League in our first ever Champions League final against the side who had won more Champions Leagues than any other. Oh, and Florentino Perez has just started the Super League again. So that's so that's good. Yeah, we can't lose to Leon, it's unfair. He's still alive. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Bold prediction. So, yeah. 
That's the end of one and a half seasons of Leon. We have been absolutely dominant. Oh, I didn't I didn't go through the key stats. I'll just read through the my favourite player. So Lorenzo Luca, he didn't quite have the output of Skimaka, but he did do really well. In his 48 games, he would score 51 goals. So it's still over a goal a game. I'm not going to I'm not going to complain at him for for that. Meanwhile, the other good players in the squad, Gabriel Perez was absolutely fantastic coming from PSG. 32 games in the league with 7 goals and 10 assists. He averaged 7.29. I was, was very happy with him. Yakuba Koye had a 7.3 average rating as well. And yeah, it was, it was mostly those young players who were coming through to carry the mantle for Leon. We still have Max Enskakere, who would walk into most squads, but doesn't walk into our squad anymore. He, overall this season, had 29 appearances, but 16 of them came off the bench. Still, he had a 7.16 average rating, so I'm not going to complain about him. Neither am I going to complain about Hassem Awar, who is still going strong for us. 29 appearances this season, but 15 off the bench with a 7.27 average rating. He said that he wants to play for Lyon until the end of his career. And with how dominant we are in French football and in European football at the moment, I think that's a smart move. Moving on then, let's talk about the going Deutsch save, which is continuing and continuing to be really Fantastic. We'll start in the Dritte Liga and work our way up. So, when I was looking at the teams in the Dritte Liga, I obviously we talked about last time Alversberg had been relegated with Kylian Mbappe. I thought I'd give him one year to get Alversberg back into the Spider Bundesliga, and if he wasn't able to do it, then I would be moving him on. It was the same thinking for Hyunmin Song at Prussian Munster. I noticed... Surely Son Heung-min is about 38 at this point. I don't know how old he is, actually. Bearing in mind, we're, we're a bit less in the future. This is 2028, we're in. This is the... Okay, so he's, he must be, like, he's like 30... 35. Yeah. And he did do well in the end. He got 11 goals and 7 assists in the Dritte Liga, which, to be honest, you'd think Heung-min Song would do better, but... Eh. He is 35. Yeah, he's 35. And Prussian Munster did not go up in the end. They finished fifth in the league. We'll we'll mention it now because it's it's not really relevant to the Bundesliga version of this save of the Bundesliga season. But Vinicius would leave Karlsruhe for Arsenal in a one hundred and eight million euro deal, which which upset me because I was like I was happy having him in German football. I didn't want him to leave, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to loan him back to a Drittliga club because he doesn't deserve to go back into the Bundesliga, even though he was the Bundesliga top goal scorer the year before. You decided to leave the Bundesliga for Arsenal? No, I like Arsenal. Please, please don't hate me. But... <laughs> I could never. <laughs> but I decided to look at who was in the Dritte Liga for the upcoming season, and I saw that a side had been promoted who I I quite like. And I don't have the extended database on this save, so I had no control over this. I couldn't see that they were going to get promoted. But getting promoted into the Dritte Liga were 
Babelsberg. And anyone who knows their German football that far down will know that Babelsberg come from the Potsdam region. So, Babelsberg have a big friendship with St. Pauli. They are a quote-unquote left-wing club. I would say they're more left-wing than St. Pauli, which is probably a very controversial statement. But I, I would say that they play at the Karl Liebenecht Stadium. And anyone who knows their German football history... German football history? No. Anyone who knows their German history will know that Karl Liebenecht was a notable leader of the German Communist Party in the 1920s. I believe he was killed in the end. So, the stadium's named after Karl Liebenecht. So, that sort of gives you an idea of what the politics of the club are like. So, I decided to give Vinicius to Babelsberg. And I gave, I gave him somebody else as well. So... Babelsberg won the league in the end because having Vinicius really helps. Apparently he had an 8.3 average rating, but Vinicius wasn't the top goal scorer. He scored 26 goals in 38 games in the league with 19 assists. <laughs> Jesus, I'm just saying that. <laughs> uh, 27 player of the match awards as well, so he was good. But he wasn't their top goal oh, scorer. Wow. Their top goal scorer scored 30 in 36 with 12 assists. Does anyone want to guess who that was? Me. No, it wasn't you. I, I Nicholas Fulkrug. No, actually, he's a better Bremen. He he's a player. Patrick who, Bamford. I no, um, Patrick Bamford's at Energy oh. Cottbus. We've we've already talked about him on this episode, and we talked about him on the last Wilfred episode. Wilfred Nonto. No, no, I signed him explicitly for this season. I'll, I'll give you a clue. I signed him from West Ham. Skamaka! <laughs> Skamaka! <laughs> I would like to point out, he scored 13-36 in the Dritter Liga, which is a lower return than he had in Liga for Leon. in my actual save. <laughs> Go figure. But yeah, Babelsberg were promoted, as were Alversberg as well. They did get promoted at the first attempt. Killing Mbappe with a 7.98 average rating, which was less than Vinicius, but he would score 22 goals in the league. So he did do well. Wow, 25 assists. So <laughs> 21 player of the match awards. He was really good. Rando Colomuani not pulling his weight at Alversberg, probably. Oh no, um, Rando Colomani did score 18 in the Dritter League, so fair enough, I guess. Oh, they have Colin Dagba. Who did I sign? I signed Colin Dagba for Red Star back in the day. Apparently he's not. I was say, that's, a, that's, a, that's a real throwback for, for your Red Star. Yeah, so. it's just nice to see him again. He was he was a really good right back in League 1 when I, when I signed him for Red Star and... Now he's in the Dritter Liga with Alversberg, and I don't think I made that signing. I'm pretty sure that's a signing they made themselves, and he's just happy to be in the Dritter. <laughs> anyway, Greuther Firth would also return at the first attempt. We will talk about who they relegated through the playoffs later on. But getting relegated from the Dritter Liga, Mainzfei, Waldhof, Mannheim, Wehen, and I swear to God I've not done anything to cause this. Well, not significantly. Hamburg. <laughs> hey! <laughs> you might remember last no. year, I said they were getting a bit too close to promotion and I, I took away some of their players, but I've not done anything since, and yet they've still been relegated into the regional leagues. I mean, you did take away some of their players, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, I did take away some of their players, but I would like to point out that I also did that to Hoffenheim and Augsburg, and neither of them were relegated, which, in the case of Hoffenheim, is very unfortunate. Anyway... 
So that was the Dritter Liga. Moving up then to the Zweite Bundesliga. And because of me and Towles at this point in the Bundesliga, I, I decided I really wanted to get Alex Tamp Brown promoted. Obviously, he was with Saarbrücken. He remained at Saarbrücken. And I went all out on making sure he had the best possible squad for the new league season. Including him, that was bringing in the best striker in the world does anyone want to guess who? Nicholas Fulcrum. Nick. Nesta. Oh. We've had this conversation so many times. Oh, God, no. I originally signed Jackson. it for, ta- for towels. Oh, Nick McCooty. Nick McCooty. Nick McCooty scored 23 yes. goals in the league. You might remember, we had this conversation on the last episode because I'd signed him for Fortuna Köln last season and then I brought him over to Saarbrücken for this season. But yeah, 23 goals in the Zweite Bundesliga. The other players I signed, Emre Chan, which is either a blessing or a curse, depending on your perspective. Patrick Pfeiffer, Marcus Antonio, Tobias Moore, Benedict Gimber. Actually, you might have signed... No, you signed Benedict Gimber, you also signed... You signed David Kornatsky, which is a move that I am very happy about, and I'm sure Towles is also very happy about, because David Kornatsky... One of our favourite strikers, right? So, and also he's moved to Ber- he's moved to Verde in real life. So, yeah, that's that. That's yes. uh, thank you for bringing that up. Anyway, uh, uh, Nick Makuti update from my save at forty-seven years old. Nick Makuti is the head coach of Fylde after having previously been the head coach of Fylde from twenty twenty-nine to twenty thirty-two. He has joined them uh, at the start of this season and is still there now. No one likes Fylde. Why don't you like filed? HRTC sevens. If I was gonna say, if if, if sure, Nick is that one. listening, if Nick is listening, please don't go to filed. Mm. I will give you my my virtual Olympic gold medal <laughs> if you if you ever decide to to sign for 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 Arsenal. Please come to Arsenal. I don't care if you don't play. I just want you. <laughs> But for anyone who who wants to know why Fylde are not good, watch the HITC7's documentary on why Fylde are not good. So yeah, you signed David Kornatsky, who has, as Towles mentioned, just signed for Werder Bremen in real life. I've got a file that I've been meaning to send Towles of my favourite David Kornatsky goal from this season, just to get him all hyped up for Kornatsky at Werder next year, but I could just keep forgetting to send it. Anyway... The other signings you made, Luca Waldschmidt, who German football fans will know because he's currently playing for Wolfsburg. And is anyone else notable? No, not really. Oh, Atakan Cavazor, who used to play for Stuttgart. Does he still play for Stuttgart? I think he still plays for Stuttgart, now that I mention it. Yeah. Anyway, so you, so you signed a lot of good players, and the bookmakers had you at 1-91. to So 91-1 to on, which is good, in all fairness. Would you? I think that's the that is the like the best odds you can get, yeah. as in like to get promoted. I've never seen anything higher than ninety-one mm. to one. So, do you think you did it? No, no, no. Wow, you won twenty-nine of thirty-four games here. You're comfortably promoted to the Bundesliga oh, as champions. God. Eighty-nine thank points. God. With two draws and three defeats. So not as good as my Leon side, but you know, you, you, you're okay. That's all right. All, all in just, all. Just wait till I sack you next season. 
<laughs> Fortuna Cone would get promoted as well. Fortuna Cone currently a regional league side, so it was nice to see them promoted. Though I'll be honest, I did give them some help in the last episode. We talked about how they had Brendan Amundsen and Marcus Rashford. Brendan Amundsen really found his level in the fight Bundesliga. I think he's a great player for that level and not really for any level higher. Uh, 32 games, 7 goals, 9 assists, a 7.46 average rating. And Marcus Rashford also doing really well with 13 goals and 11 assists. I did also sign another player because I was... I was saddened that I'd taken Nick Makuti away from them, right? I thought, I need to sign a player to replace him. And when I think of somebody who, in real life, is about the same level of quality as Nick Makuti, you know, somebody who's pretty much the same sort of player, same sort of talent, I think Endrick. And so I signed Endrick for Fortuna Cone. And <laughs> that, that helped him get promoted. He scored 24 goals in the Spider. You might remember on the last episode of the episode before, I talked about how Dinamo Dresden had shot straight through the Svita Bundesliga and into the top flight and then were relegated at the first attempt. While they shot straight back down through the Svita, they would get relegated for the second straight season after having two straight promotions. It's very similar to, like, um, was it Paderborn who did something similar? Like in the mid to I don't know. There was somebody who did something incredibly similar. Anyway... So they would be relegated to the Drittliga alongside Mines, who would lose in the relegation playoff. <laughs> so apparently when I when teams come down, I often go, right, I need to sort of try and level the playing field. Because oftentimes they come in as one of the favourites to get straight back up. And I'm like, well, it's not fair. So I'll sell a few of their players. And this has resulted in quite a few relegations now. So maybe I'm being a bit mean. But yeah, only 29 points in 34 games. And Sandhausen would be relegated because apparently Art wants to imitate life. They were far worse in the Spider Bundesliga on this than they were in real life, though. So, you know, give credit to Gerhard Klappinger, I guess, because he, he wasn't as bad as this Sandhausen were. I know what you're thinking. Your your main question is how did Bayern Munich do in their first season in the Spider Bundesliga since the early 60s? Well, actually, it wasn't the Spider Bundesliga back then, but their first time out of the Bundesliga since the early 60s. And the answer is bad. It looked like they were going to go down at first, but in the end, they did sort of recover to finish 13th, with Alexander Zorniger taking over from Daniel Fark after he was sacked. Mark Rocker continues to want to leave, but it's weird. Apparently, nobody wants to pay 650 grand a week for a guy who's kind of average in the Spider Bundesliga. A 7.03 average rating. He's found his level. Hey, Mark. Daniel James has also found his level with a 7.15 average rating in the Spider Bundesliga. Two goals and three assists. So, you know, well done, Daniel James. I don't know if I mentioned this on the last episode, but I... A couple of seasons ago on this save, I bought Paul Mullen and... Oh, who's the other guy? Who's the other really good... Oh, Macaulay Langstaff. I bought Paul Mullen and Macaulay Langstaff to Bayern Munich, and it's weird, they've not been doing very well, Macaulay Langstaff only played two times this year, scoring one goal, meanwhile Paul Mullen was not better, in fact you could argue he was considerably worse, 23 games and two goals, so 
I don't know why they're not doing well in this fighter. I thought... That's interesting. I thought he was... Yeah. Mm. 80 million. I thought he could score goals in any league in the world. Yeah. I, I, I bought him for 80 million. I thought it was going to be an 80 Weird million. You're a striker. But probably not. Yeah. So yeah, Bayern Munich finished 13th in the end in this fighter. Bundesliga. Could have been worse. Yeah, Eintracht Frankfurt would go back to the Bundesliga. They've been in this fighter for a few years, but they've built their way back up. After three seasons of the fourth attempt, they were promoted back to the Bundesliga by winning the relegation playoff against a side who we will discuss in a bit. So let's round off then with... Wait. Oh, go on. Alex, I'm sure you know this answer off the top of your head, but this is a pop quiz. Who finished in 13th in the fighter Bundesliga in real life? Oh, God. I, I did... Greuther Firth? No. Oh. Hansa? Yes. I remember making I remember making a joke about it and going... It, God, it, I, it feels like an interesting parallel. Mm, no, because I remember saying I hope it's sense. unlucky for them next year, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I should have known it was Hansa immediately. Anyway, let's talk about the yeah, Bundesliga then. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm keeping it in. It shows that I, I have German football knowledge, which is good because I, I pretend to have German football knowledge on another podcast. But anyway, let's talk about the Bundesliga. Obviously, there are three of our managers in this league, Alex Towles, Ted Lasso, and myself. So let's talk about Alex Towles first because I I wanted him to do while he was the... He was expected to come fifth with Werder Bremen at the beginning of this season. And he made a few good signings as well. And some not good signings. He signed Ilan Melier. Don't know why he signed Melier, but, you know, did it work? Is he good? No. In in the game? Oh. The year before, he was, I guess, the Spurs starting keeper. He played 24 times, conceded 26 with a 6.62 average rating. And you bought him for 18 million euros. And he conceded 45 in 33. So, not ideal. But you did also sign good Those players. Numbers. You signed Julian Brandt from Hertha. Yeah. And he was fine, I guess. 6.9 average rating. Um, you also signed Silas from Hertha, and he was good. You signed Mauro Gusto, which is a player that I wanted to manage at Lyon, but then he left to Real Madrid, so... You know what? I've just had 98 points in a 34-game season. I don't get to complain about anything. And you also no, you loaned Brian Hill. So that was good too. And then you, you got the Kaiser in because you wanted him to decree that you were champions, I guess. But unfortunately, the Kaiser has not been in charge of Germany since the 1910s. So that, that didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Kaiser, who is a new-gen player who you signed from Bayer Leverkusen. Anyway... You struggled through most of the season, and I thought we were going to have a managerial sacking. At the halfway stage, you were in the relegation playoffs, but luckily you did turn it around in the second half of the season. Over the final 17 games, you would pick up 27 points and therefore survive in 13th place. Let's talk about Bayreuf, because I made Bayreuf very good with Ted Lasso at the helm, alongside the players we've had... Already I brought in Mason Mount, the guy from Napoli, who I cannot pronounce the name of, but I'm guessing you already know who he is. He's the Georgian. And yep. We'll just I'm just gonna call him KK because those are his initials. Yeah, Kvarskaya. I signed yeah. There you go. Yeah. 
jaw. <laughs> you could say anything and I'd probably believe it. You could say potato chips, I'd be like, <laughs> if that's what you say. <laughs> Julian Weigel from Benfica, Gilberto from Benfica, Rafael Vavan, Lucas Tussart, Tyro Awani, and Shola Shortire, because I remember him from my... God, who did I sign him for? Depo? I think, no. Salta. Salta Vigo. Don't confuse those two clubs. They'll get very, very mad at you. So I thought I'd sign him and then boost him for for the fun of it. On transfer deadline day, I didn't see this at first, but my director of football accepted a bid from PSG for Chesney, which really deeply angered me, so I cancelled his contract, put PSG in tons of debt, which I apparently hadn't done, which was weird, and then signed Gianluigi Donnarumma. So, you know, don't sign Ted Lasso's players off him because he will enact his revenge. The first game, I decided to watch it just because I thought it'd be fun, and they took a 1-0 lead against Schalke, and then lost 5-1, which wasn't great. But they did finish 9th in the end on 45 points. This brings us on to Union Berlin, and this brings us on to the title race as well, because Union Berlin were the favourites for the Bundesliga title. Kaiserslautern actually sold quite a few of their good players. They sold Tete to Chelsea for 51 million. They sold Hincapié to Union Berlin. They sold Renan Lodi for 28 million. Kai Kai to Man United for 70 million as well. So they were selling a lot of players, but they didn't financially need to. They did bring in a few other players as well. They brought in Wuel Walters from Arsenal for. Where are they? I've lost them. 25 million. Callum Hudson Odoi from Dortmund for 42. Malassia from Werder Bremen for 27. Brightaway B from Bayern for 17.25. So they were. Trying to keep up their title defence, but they would finish sixth in the end. So, no title for Kaiserslautern this year. And I think Dirk Schuster's been sacked. Wow, that's harsh. They've sacked Dirk Schuster, who is their manager in real life. But he had guided Kaiserslautern to three Bundesliga titles and to two DFB Pakals. And we went, nah, you're not good enough anymore. We're sacking you. Including this year's DFB Pakal. So his final game was winning for DFB Pakal for Kaiserslautern. And then they said, nah, you're not good enough. We're sacking you. So it's real Louis van Gaal vibes here. But anyway, they weren't good enough to win the league. The other favourites, Borussia Dortmund, started off the season really poorly. They sacked Diego Simeone. They sacked the guy they replaced him with. I can't remember who it was. Um, oh, no. Now I'm making that up. They sacked Diego Simeone. They had Lars Vicken for a bit, which I'm all in favour of. And then they brought in Guillermo Bavos Schilotto. And he, he's done okay. Borussia Dortmund finished third in the end. The top two would be St. Pauli and Union Berlin. I'm not going to tell you where they finished first, but St. Pauli really did splash for cash, including getting Lucas Hernandez, as already mentioned, Jeremy Fringpong from Hertha, Fabio Calvalio, Ronnie Bargi, Kenneth Taylor for £42 Is he a real person? Wow, he's a real person. What 26-year-old is called Kenneth? Uh, he plays, he's actually Dutch, and he plays for Ajax. Uh, why is he called Kenneth? No, no offence to the Taylor family. Anyway, Samuel... When in doubt, blame the Dutch. 
Samuel Vici from Inter Milan for 54 million. But their best signing was one that they made from Stuttgart for 38 million euros. He would go on to be the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga this year with 25 from 32. If you guess who it was in three guesses, then I will be very impressed. Who? I'll, I'll, I'll give you a clue. So, no, no, um, give me a, remind me the question. Who was the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga? He he had signed for St. Pauli from Stuttgart for 38 million euros. I really like him, but probably shouldn't. Hmm. I say... Willie Nonto. No. I don't think you were... Someone who played for Hamburg. I'm, I'm no. trying to think. It, it, it would be weird. If, if you asked me to talk about, like, moments I can remember him playing, it would all be moments he had for Hoffenheim, and that's that's odd. Jorginho Ruta. Jorginho Ruta was the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga. Hey. So that, that's why I thought I was talking about this to Tamp Brown early going. It's weird because I, I really rate him. And when I talk about why I think he's a good player, I will talk about his time at Hoffenheim, which is weird because he plays for Leeds and I support Leeds. And I can't think of a single thing he's done for Leeds, but I still really, really rate him. I think he's great. Um, anyway, so Jorginho Ruta was the key player for St. Pauli. Meanwhile, Union Berlin, managed by Alex Woodward, also signed a lot of great players, including Piero Hincapié, which is not a signing I would have made in real life. Yusuf Makoko from Wolfsburg, for some reason, and Oscar Rubio from Atletico Madrid for $36.5 And just like in my Leon save, Alex Woodward comes out on top because Union Berlin won the Bundesliga. <laughs> Don't clap! Don't clap! I didn't do anything. I just simmed through the entire season. I have no control over the Alex Woodward in this save. Apart from the fact that you have the in-game editor and you could easily move players to your team. Yeah, but I also did that for St. Pauli. (laughs) That's true. Who did I... I think it was Jeremy Fringpong I I gave to St. Pauli. But yeah, apparently I'm a better manager than Erdin Terzic, which to be honest, feels right after everything that's happened. It feels... feels well, um... Yeah, it, it feels like that's correct. So, yeah, just very quickly to wrap up then, Hertz Berlin and Freiburg would be relegated alongside Armenia Bielefeld through the playoffs. Marcelo Bielsa resigned at the end of last season. He retired, actually, sorry. And they replaced him with Eric Ten Hag, and that didn't work. And next year, Eric Ten Hag doesn't get to take on the job of saving Arminia Bielefeld from the Svita Bundesliga because he was sacked and replaced with Mikel Arteta, who will be managing them in the Svita Bundesliga because even if they sack him, I'm going to put him straight back in that position. <laughs> I love that you're keeping him there. <laughs> Trapped in Bielefeld. <laughs> oh, that's worse. It's quite impressive how he's managed to be trapped there given it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, it's very impressive. Trapped in Bielefeld sounds like a, a colloquialism for somebody who's been kidnapped by the government. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's just trapped in Bielefeld. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. More, <laughs> what a way to end yeah. the podcast. More great socio-political commentary. 
Well, if you don't want to be trapped in Bielefeld, then make sure you uh, subscribe to our podcast feed and keep an ear out for the next episode, where maybe, just maybe, Alex Tamp Brown would have done something that isn't obscenely good in Football Manager. It's just obscenely insane things, one after the other. That's the problem. Also, feel free to send us a message on Twitter. Our at is at a thousand hours FM. So if you can see Twitter, number hours FM. Yeah, if Twitter's still working by the time you release this, it's about fifty-fifty at the moment. Um, let us know what you think of the new, the new update. Let, let us know what you think about the announcement around the FM twenty-four that it's going to be really, really good, and the FM twenty-five is going to be brand spanking new. Alex Tam Brown has mentioned before recording that I'm probably going to need to get myself a new laptop and this remains true but that does not in any way hinder my excitement for what FM25 will bring. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of A Thousand Hours. Thank you to Tam Brown and Woodford for joining me and for sharing your stories of being just just better at football manager than I am. I'll be the same folks. We will be back next time. I was going to say next week but that's just never true (laughs) we will be back next time with more of whatever this is until then cheers au revoir au revoir